This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey, what's happening? This is TC Carson, and you are listening to ACMG's Talk Time Live. And this is Kratos. Keep listening. It's time for your Talk Time Live exclusive. You are now about to witness the strength of geek knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, returning for his fifth appearance on the show is a guest with many titles, including writer, producer, executive producer, showrunner, and actor. You have seen his work on Marvel and DC Comics, as well as shows such as uh, Magnum P.I. and The Heat of the Night, Ultimate Spider-Man, Avengers Black Panther's Quest, one of my favorites, and recently the co-executive producer of the spinoff to Power known as Book 2, Ghost, starring (laughs) uh, Method Man and Mary J. Blige. He is the one and only Jeffrey Thorne, and he is here to talk about his latest work on the Green Lantern series and much more. Jeff, welcome back to the show. And first time seeing you since 2017. (laughs) Hey, thank you, man. Glad to be here as always. Um, We've all been through it. It's been a long, long, strange little trip. Um, I take no responsibility for the last year and a half. (laughs) Okay. And really the last four years, because damn. Um, But yeah, man. um, Thank you. Like we said before we started, um, it's been the worst of times and the best of times in some ways. Like like a lot of good stuff's happened, but uh, who, buddy, the payment, the payment. (laughs) Holy crap. Absolutely. Understatement. Oh, but man. with that said, I mean, I'm glad that you're okay. I'm glad that we're all okay and we got through yep. it. I mean, all, all it, vaxxed up, both of us. All vaxxed, vaxxed up, up, of course. Absolutely. That's a must. That's a that's yep. an absolute must. So I was very surprised. You really surprised me because I mean, you always surprise me. I mean, you you got different projects that always come in and you're working on and they're huge. And he's like, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And this time around it's, you know, the announcement that you were going to be working with DC comics this time um, to write a new green lantern series. I immediately Mm -hmm. brought the book, read it and was very entertained and shocked by the story and the saga. So before we get really deep on that, can you talk about what led you to uh, this new project with DC? Yeah, um, I mean, I wish it was a really exciting story. Everybody knows I love comics out here in Hollywood land. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have thousands and thousands and thousands of comics I've been collecting for decades, like since I was a child. And I'm now 50 plus, so a long time. Um, I still have basically every comic book I ever bought. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, a friend of mine called me up and he's like, uh, DC Comics is doing some kind of outreach. Uh, they're looking for new, new, new blood. Basically, yeah. uh, 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 your name came up. Is it somebody? Are you? Are, would you be interested in something like that? And I'm like, what, are you stupid? Yes, of course I would be interested in something like that. So I <laughs> uh, met with Dan DiDio. Um, uh, they had the whole big project. He's the he was the editor in chief at the time. Yeah. Um, and they had this whole big, big, giant project that they were in the middle of that I didn't know anything about called Five G. Uh, he told me all about that. And he's like, so what do you got for me? And I pitched him about, I don't know, 10 or 11 um, short stories. Um, 
and uh, you know, short subjects, like no, no ongoing series. Cause I think that's uh, most freelancers don't try to pitch something like that. Cause it's presumptuous. Right. Like you don't know that that book's going to last. You better pitch them six, four or six books and hope they do well. <laughs> right. So that's what I did. And he's like, Oh, I, I like that story about John Stewart. You pitch. And I was like, really, that's the one you like, <laughs> you know? Uh, well, because it was weird. And I was like, I, I just pitch it because when are you ever going to get a chance to pitch that? Right. And, but I didn't expect him to that be the one he chose. I pitched him some really cool stuff and he went for that, which I was like, all right, cool, bet. And then he got fired two weeks later. Jeez. And yeah. So I was like, all right, well, I guess that's the end of that story. I don't expect to hear from DC again because I figured the new person coming in wouldn't want to hear from any of the old people. Right. Like they want to get their own, they want to get their own people in. So um, they called me up about a month later, said, Hey, we're still interested in that story. You want to talk about it? And I was like, sure. And then they laid out a whole bunch of stuff. I can't say about what they wanted to do with the green lantern, just how they were going to publish it. And it was going to be me and a bunch of other writers. Um, uh, at least two other writers were going to be on the project with me. And I was still basically going to just be telling the John Stewart story. Um, and I was like, cool, this, this sounds great working with these big names. And, you know, I'm from the comic book point of view, I'm the new guy. Right. So this is great. It's going to put a lot of eyes on the project. Um, cool. And then when one by one, they all started backing out for different reasons. Nothing, nothing that I know anything about, by the way. Right. I'm just writing. Like I'm writing out my outlines and doing all my stuff. And at one point, DC editorial came to me and said, look, the others are out. They have different commitments. They thought they could do it, but they can't. And, you know, so how would you feel about just writing the whole book? And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause like, that's a big job, man. Like that's, that's like a commitment. And yeah. I had not pitched them a whole book. Mm-hmm. But I did. I was like, I don't have a story for a whole book yet. Like, I have a story for John, just John, right. for uh, a few issues, but I don't have anything for all of the Green Lantern. Right. right? And they're like, well, think up some stuff. Uh, by the way, you definitely have to get rid of the power battery. Um, and we'd like you to use uh, uh, Joe Mullane from Forest Sector and this other character, Team Lantern. And I was like, what the hell is the Team Lantern? Right, and they're like, you don't know about Team Lantern. I'm like, I thought you were just making a joke. That's real, right? right. And they're like, no, that's real. Ben just made her up, and I was like, oh, okay. So I went and did research on her, and I was like, yeah, cool. I can use them. You better please check with N.K. Jemison to see if it's okay right. that I take anything to do with that beautiful character she created. And they're like, are you serious? And I was like, look, uh, I'm not trying to get a wrong side of a writer that's better than me. Um, you better go check with her. <laughs> so she said totally right the man do this thing <laughs> you know well i guess not everybody does that because they were genuinely shocked but they did check with her apparently she said i'm cool with it do your thing i, I said what i had to say with the character right mm-hmm. and so that's how that happened and i was like well okay well here's how i think the dc cosmic side works right not necessarily what you guys have already established but for me, the only way it could really work the way you've been showing it in the books all this time right. is this. So I wrote them a document basically called DC Cosmic, right? Mm-hmm. Starting with the, with the source right. and just trickling all the way down to street level characters that were not cosmic. And they're like, we like all of these words. So um, can you use the Green Lantern book to sort of set some of this up? And I was like, yeah, if you want to, it's your thing. You agree with all of this? Because a lot of it's from the audience point of view, they might not agree with some of it. It's a person who's been thinking about this for a while. Right. But 
some of the stuff, there, there are giant cracks that I'm filling. No one's ever filled them before. So all the fans will have their own notions about what should go in those cracks. And now you're going to tell them what goes in those cracks. Right. And they're like, do your thing. Look, if we want to reshuffle the deck, all bets are off anyway. So if there's another crisis on Infinite Earths, everything you do is going to get erased anyway. So just have fun. And if it sticks, it sticks. And if it doesn't, so what? And I was like, I like your, I like your attitude. Great. <laughs> so um, started doing that. And then uh, they came back to me a little while later and said, uh, so we're going to do this future state thing. We need you to participate in it. And I was like, I don't know what the hell is future state. <laughs> and they're like, well, we're going to jump. All the books are going to jump forward either a few years or a lot of years. Right. And we want you to do that with Green Lantern. And I was like, yeah, but remember the story you approved for me? You know what happens in a few years in this Green Lantern book? It's not going to look like a Green Lantern book if we jump more than a few weeks. Right. Because after the first year, it just won't look like a Green Lantern book. And they're like, yeah, bet, do that. And I was <laughs> like, oh, okay. You know? So I was like, okay, it's going to be a lot of Road Warrior type stuff. And they're like, yeah, do that Mad Max Green Lantern. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Right? So that's what you got in the future state, the, du the double future state shot. And then we came back, and it's obviously back to the present day, where none yeah. of that stuff has happened. And um, uh, because of the way the book is set up, uh, it looks like it's in two two chap two sides. Like right. The first two the first two issues everybody's together, but right. by the end of the second issue, we get rid of the battery and Joe comes back from the far sector. Right. And all hell is broken loose. It, yeah. So, you know, it, it blew my mind too because like <laughs> I I was like I can't believe he's everything's going into turmoil here. You got this intergalactic summit that yeah. was supposed to be led for peace and. Yeah. It turns into political turmoil after yeah. the horrific events. I don't want to spoil it, even though it's been out for quite some time. Right. But it's it's crazy that, you know, things happen. Major things happen in the development of this. And now there's mm -hmm. turmoil within the Green Lantern Corps and almost to the point that there's almost no more core. <laughs> well, one of the things that one of the things I as a fan was like when they said you're going to blow up the battery, I say blow up. Destroy. Right. Right. That yeah, pretty. Uh, yeah. I was like, well. You know, I'm like, well, you've done that before. And they're like, we need to do it for this other larger thing we're doing. It needs to happen. And I was like, all right, cool. But if we're going to do it, I want to do it my way. So one of the things that you would normally do in a story about the battery eventually blowing up, especially if the audience has had it leaked to them and they know it's coming, yeah. you want to draw you want to draw that out, right? You want to keep writing a book where there's no blown up battery because yeah. every issue, right? They're always, are they going to do it this week? And I was like, I don't want to do all of that. If we're going to do it, let's just get to it. <laughs> right. I don't want to make the book about waiting for the, Wait, I don't the slow the burn. About, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Let's just, this is just get to it. Right. <laughs> because what's really interesting about that isn't the battery blowing up. It's what that caused. Yeah. Like when it goes away. So we did that. The other thing I wanted to set up, which wasn't mine was in the Superman and justice league book, uh, Superman's son, John Kent had yeah. inspired all these warring planets and, solar system societies, whatever, who are normally at each other's throats, he'd invited them to start a sort of the United Nations. And they were doing that over in these other books. And I was like, well, these are the cosmic cops over here. So if that's happened over here, we have to take note of it in this book, right? How would yeah. we do that, right? In the DC history of in comics of history and their science fiction side, they kind of play very fast and loose with 
the size of the universe, what the universe <laughs> actually is, how big is a galaxy? Like people act like they know, but the scale that we're talking about, there's so the number of green lanterns that they've said, which is 7,200, that couldn't cover one galaxy. That's not enough for one in a real universe. That's yeah. not enough to cover one galaxy. Even if you're moving at faster than light speeds, people just, the human mind cannot picture the actual distances involved. Like right. your brain can't do it. Right. So in the comics, they're like, oh, these people are in this other galaxy. Or this whole galaxy over here is run by this guy. And I'm like, no, it's not. That's not possible. <laughs> Look, that's not how any of this works. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so what I kind of fudged it. And so the United Planets isn't just the Milky Way galaxy because DC has established that some of these species are in whole other galaxies and yeah. yet they're forming the United Planets. So I was like, okay, fine. We don't have to make a big deal of it. But um, where is Oa? Oa is claimed to be the center of the universe. That's nonsense. There's nothing at the center of the universe because the universe was started by a big bang which means that's the middle of the explosion, which means there's no planet sitting there. That's nonsense. Everything right. is away from there, right? So what it is is sort of they've decided they're like the moral center of the universe, right? Right. And, but the guardians of the universe in the DCU have been kind of the only force for justice for a billion years, like all over this space. They've been sending out first the Manhunters, which that went very badly. And then they yeah. have the Green Lanterns which everyone calls the cosmic cops, but they're more like peacekeepers. Yeah. They're not, they're not like, they don't have uh, law enforcement powers. They have keep the peace powers. So, coast guards. Right. They're like, <laughs> yeah, like, right. Or referees, coast guard, lifeguards. Right. That's their job. And they'll come in and rescue if your planet's on fire, like right. whatever, but you know, but they don't essential, have like essential central workers. Right. They're not <laughs> rescuing you. They're not arresting you and taking you to some court where the guardian sentence you after some lawyer argues, they don't do any of that, right? Yeah. And there's some people they do in prison, but that's like somebody who's so nakedly evil and toxic that we're the only people who can handle you. We need to put you in this vault because <laughs> you, you're running around here eating up sons. You need to go in this vault, right? right? Like who's gonna, what lawyer is gonna defend, <laughs> right? Right. But, but I wanted to mess with that. And like, so OA, the, the guardians have to say, are we in, are we out of this whole United Planets thing? And also, I don't know what people think, but nobody elected these fools. <laughs> nobody said, I, I agree, you can run around policing the whole universe, whatever. Right. You say you say that. And you I like that you me. put a focus on that too. Yeah. Nobody asked us whether we wanted you to be policing us. Who the hell are you? That's right? the on that's the ongoing situation and question that always falls in with any like major group in comics, too. Yeah. So like it's one thing when you have a street level vigilante because you can have the cops chasing after him and you're actually breaking the law, Batman. Everything yeah. Batman does is illegal. Like 100% of what he does is illegal unless he's a deputy of the court. Yeah. Right, which he is absolutely not. So he's just a straight up criminal. You guys can eat it. Sorry, <laughs> he's a criminal, right? <laughs> but the Green Lanterns have a different thing where they have so much power, who can say boo to them? Yeah. Right, nobody. So... Now all these planets are unified and they're like, we haven't decided whether we want your Green Lanterns around. We haven't decided whether we want any of you guys messing with us anymore. Yeah. So are you going to join this club? And if you are going to join this club, see those rules on the wall? Those are the rules you follow. Can you, can you live like that with us? Because it's all or nothing. Either you're in by these rules or we don't want to see any Green Lanterns. Sounds like every Period. Facebook group on <laughs> social media. <laughs> right. And surprise, surprise, the Guardians are like, 
No, that's fair. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. We're not the rulers of this cosmos. We're not the, we're not your bosses. We don't, right. we're just the oldest. We're like the oldest brother, oldest sister. We don't have the rights we've assumed. And if you guys feel like you're ready to drive the car, yeah, feel free to drive the car. We will not do anything. And then right. obviously some tragedy happens and messes all that up. And like, but the whole <laughs> point was, what I was trying to do was make the audience think about one, what is it to be? What is this? How does this all work? How is it all set up? So you have to have some of that, but also to put in their minds that there's a lot that's been going on in the DC universe that you guys don't put together, but if right. the, the audience doesn't, but if the Green Lanterns do what you claim they do, what the, what the company has claimed they do, they have to know about all this stuff. And the Guardians, the leaders of the Green Lanterns, for those who don't know, they've done some pretty dastardly stuff over the billions of years that they've been in charge of all this. They've right. caused literally horrible holocausts of death, either on purpose sometimes, which is really bad, or by accident, where they were trying to do something good and it just got out of hand. <laughs> and it's like, okay, we're sorry we wiped out your solar system. Sorry about it. We're just going to step back in the lab and try it's to It's like the Flash that. or the Legends like, of Tomorrow who always ends up in time and screwing it up no matter how their yeah. intentions are. Like, don't touch anything. <laughs> don't go back in time. What? Whoa, the last cataclysm didn't train you idiots. Don't do this anymore. Right? But then, no, no, I, I figured it out. We can do it again. Right? Like, oh my God, these guardians. Did we so not like, tell you the first time? You not right. remember. We told you like 8,000 times to stop meddling with this stuff. Well, we don't have to listen to you because we're the oldest. You guys don't know what you're talking about, right? So finally, some guardian said, you know what? You're right, right? But one of the ugly things the guardians did, which people have been glossing over since I was a kid, they took half the magic out of the universe. (laughs) They don't like magic, so they got rid of as much as they could. I'm sure Superman is very happy about that. (laughs) Yeah, but the magicians aren't, (laughs) right? Like... Like I'm sitting here doing my simple magic trick on my little planet. And these fools came in and sucked all the potential magic out of the universe. Like nobody asked me, I wasn't hurting anybody. Yeah, but in like 6,000 years, your descendant might be able to, dude, I'm just trying to make water, right? I just figured a way to turn natural air into water and you just stripped my ability to do that because you felt like it, because you don't like it. Who in the hell are you? Now, Who are you to do that? Now, as you say that, and then this is my next question, too, because there was to me reading it, I felt there were so a few things in the narrative that was very relevant, sort of kind of to the real, to real world situations and current society. By chance, were there any influences that you took out of that? OK, some people have been saying that and I don't tell them no, mm-hmm. because when you read a comic book, hopefully one is well written. Uh, I don't know if I'm I mean, I'm not saying I'm so great, but if a writer writes something well, if it's authentic, yeah. then you're going to be able to lift out stuff that's in there, but that they didn't put in there. Yeah. doesn't mean it's not in there. So when people, I've seen a couple of articles written now where people are talking about how I'm addressing Black Lives Matter and defund the police and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Straight up, I was not trying to do that. Right. What I was trying to do was tell the story of a gigantic quasi-police force that has immense powers and has agreed to reshuffle its own deck, right? Right. Nobody could make the Guardians stand down. They chose to agree because mm-hmm. they're like, no, that's a fair argument. We're going to step back. And yeah. what we didn't talk about before, right, they took away a whole bunch of the Green Lanterns, like jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. They were like, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to operate here anymore. We're going to reassign a bunch of you now. We're just restructuring everything. 
yeah. right? According to this new agreement, because we want to be a good member of this new group. We don't want to pretend like we're part of the group, but still be the big bullies in the group. <laughs> right. 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 So we're going to do that. And there was some consternation about that. And some people said he's obviously doing this. And I'm like, I'm never doing that, guys. When I'm writing comics, what I'm trying to do is write authentically. Right. So if you're writing about these kinds of situations, then yes, yeah, some of that's going to come up. And right. there's only going to be a couple of solutions to certain kinds of problems. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. If you're dealing with an opponent that's stronger than you and a better fighter than you, then you better hope you got some good negotiation skills or a big ass gun. Right. Right. Because you're going to lose that fight unless the other person is reasonable. Yeah. Right. If the other guy's reasonable. It doesn't matter how good a fighter he is. You won't need the gun because you're just going to be talking. So I decided the Guardians were reasonable. Like they could have been unreasonable and told the United players to go screw themselves. But it would be uncharacteristic for them not to at the same time. They're trying to be good. They're trying to be good in the universe. So they would at least give this a shot. The other thing I thought was I was friends with Dwayne McDuffie. Dwayne McDuffie had an IQ of 168, Mm -hmm. which most people don't know, or at least they they, they ought to know by now because I say it enough. But um, he's a straight up real genius, like Bill Gates figure. Like, I don't know what Bill's IQ is. 168 is like off the charts. Yeah. Okay. And I asked them one day, I'm like, I'm pretty smart. Like, I'm above average. I'm well above average. And sometimes I'll be in a room with people and I'm like, God, these people are stupid. Jesus Christ, can they shut up for five? God damn. Right? <laughs> like, stop talking. Please stop talking before I kill you. Right. right? And I'm like, but that's just me with an above average intelligence. <laughs> you have an intelligence that's ridiculous, which means even guys like me must look like freaking morons to you. Like, are you always in a room full of five-year-olds. Like, is everybody in a room like a room full of five-year-olds? Right. What the hell is that like? And he said, one, yes. And I said, what the hell is that like? He's like, I laugh a lot. I laugh a lot. And I was like, yeah, you do. Now I know why you're smiling all the time, right? Because we're just idiots. He's like, I'm not answering that stuff. But, um, <laughs> but, but I feel like that's the guardians of the universe. They're the oldest, they're the smartest, they're the most accomplished, they've done everything and seen everything, and they're just trying to keep the kids from putting their hands on a hot stove. Yeah. That's their whole thing, right? So if the kids are now old enough that they can drive their own car, you kind of got to let them, Yeah. right? You got to let them and see what happens. It's like nothing you do is going to hurt us. We're immortal. We're indestructible, right. theoretically. And uh, uh, so let's see how this plays out, basically. Let's, let's go with it. So that's well, what it was. I can tell you this. I am I am all in <laughs> on this journey. Uh, I'm okay. really much enjoying it now. When you can you talk about can you talk us through the feeling? And I'm surprised I never asked you just the last four times. But can mm-hmm. you talk us through yeah, the feeling that you get when you see your written work transition into the form of comic book panels or animation or even live action scenes? Bloody- How does that? How does there's that... nothing better there's no better feeling <laughs> to me like well let me put it to you like this right on my desk right now is next week's issue agreement. Oh. <laughs> okay so like um i write it and i'm happy and you know I'll i could draw little... that to me stop it uh uh uh, uh I-, I could draw a little bit so i kind of know in a, in a in a way i kind of know what the pictures are going to look like sort right. of but all the artists are so much better than me that i'm genuinely always pleasantly surprised when i see them and when the first line art comes back, that's just the black and white drawing, right? Right. I'm just like, damn, 
right? But it still doesn't really look like a comic book yet. It's still more like, wow, this guy can really draw. And this right. guy can really draw. Wow, I'm nowhere near this good. Oh my God, right? And then we get a thing called a proof, which has all the colors and letterings in it, which is essentially a PDF of the comic book before it comes out. And it's a comic book. And my, my test for the, for the rest of the team is, if, the, if their work makes me forget I wrote it, if I'm just suddenly just reading it, <laughs> right? Which you think wouldn't happen, but it actually does. I've been lucky enough to work with uh, uh, Kari, uh, uh, Kari Randolph and Emilio Lopez on a mosaic. And now the, the, the three artists, Dexter, Tom, and uh, Marco on this yeah. one. Um, uh, I'm, not, I'm not leaving out the, the colorists, but I'll get their names wrong and I don't want to screw it up. Uh, Mike Atier <laughs> is our current and awesome colorist. Um, and when the, when, the, when the work comes back fully realized, um, I'm sitting there going, damn, what's going to happen next? Better turn the page, you know? And I know what's going to happen next. I wrote it. Right. But it feels, it's like amazing. It's truly amazing. And then I, I tell you what, the best day of every month is when I get that box of copies they send to the art, to the right. <laughs> Like, I just like, damn, let me read this comic that I wrote three months ago. It's also great, too, comic. because like you're, you're out of sight, out of mind for a while and you're already working on other things and you just, you know, yeah. pushing it through. So when that comes back to you, you do get I, I can I can empathize with you on that. And it, you yeah. just get that. that I don't want to say vindication or satisfaction. It's more like satisfaction. Yeah. And plus, I love this stuff. I grew up with this stuff. What little kid doesn't either want to write or draw comics if they love comics. At some right. point, they try it. At some point, everybody loves comics, tries drawing stuff. Everybody, yeah. right? And not everybody tries writing it, but mm -hmm. I would say basically everybody who's into comics at some point drew some version of some page of In a comic some way, yes. or, or a superhero or something. And I feel like I'm crazy lucky that, and a little bit stupid because it's a lot of work for not as much money as I normally make, like not even close to as much money. Um, as you would normally make, but I really just love it. So that passion. when I get to, yeah, when I get to, well, I love comics in a very specific way. The part of me that gets um, fulfilled by comics is very different than if I wrote a novel or yeah. what we do on a TV show or something like that. There's a sort of little kernel of a decent, nice little boy in there that just freaking loves comics. And he's giggling all the time I'm writing. That little boy is just sitting there giggling. Go, oh my God, what's gonna shut up? I'm not, you better wait till the end of the story. <laughs> shut up. You know, just read it. Just read it. Stop talking to me. Right. <laughs> like that. And that's the fun of it. So I'm having a good time. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do a story that hasn't been told this way before. Um, not just because of who it's focused on, but also what it is. Right. Right. Um, this year also, uh, Chris Cross, the amazing artist Chris Cross. I was on Twitter and I made some crack about, hey, I thought about this character Vixen. I had a weird thing I woke up with um, this morning where I got this idea about how her powers might work that might like totally change the game on her. And he was like, really? Now, I don't know Chris that well. Like we have some interaction. Yeah. We have some Twitter conversations. So he follows me, I follow him. Mm -hmm. And his first thing was, really? And I was like, um, uh, Chris, I did not tell you what the idea was. I just said I had one. He's like, cool, I'm going to call my editor. And I was oh, wow. like, uh, there's nothing to call your editor about. <laughs> uh, there's no idea. There's only an idea for how her powers might work, not 
a story. I don't have a story. And still, you don't even know what the idea is yet. It might be dumb. He's like, too late. Already called him. And I was like, <laughs> oh, what are you doing to me? So I figured it was a joke. He was just sort of clowning me. But no, I got a, an email from the editor the next morning. So what's Chris talking about? And I was like, Chris is talking about nothing because he doesn't know what the idea is, right? And he's like, well, let's tell, tell us what the idea is. And I said, well, I think Vixen's power will work like this. Powers work like this. And they're like, oh, that's dope. So what's the book? And I was like, there's no book. It's just an idea about how her powers work. He's like, well, could you come up with an idea in the next couple of weeks? I was like, I mean, he's like, okay, call me back next week. And I was like, oh my God. Jeez. Right. And I was like, nothing in my life has ever been that easy. So I emailed Chris and I'm like, well, I'm thinking about this, the Global Guardians and stuff. He's like, I love the Global Guardians. And I'm like, even better, just design some stuff, man, because I'm not going to use the original Global Guardians. I'm going to mess around with them a bit. And I love your art style. So this is a place where you can just flex, redesign that costume on Vixen, redesign these, these Global Guardians as we need them. Right. Like as they show up, we're going to redesign them. Right. And he's like, cool, let's go. And that turned into truth and justice number one. Right. And I was just like, what? But again, I got to work with somebody who I had written letters to when he was at Milestone. Mm -hmm. Like, so am I having a good time? Yeah. Do I care whether, <laughs> do I even care whether the book sells or not? Nope. <laughs> nope. Just I mean, let me follow time. up with, let me follow up with this question. Um, when you, do you get inspired more? based on the artists that you're working with? Like if you per se just happen to work with Jim Lee by chance, does that inspire you to write more or well, write, or write on, something you it, just be more inspired to like? It depends on how the book comes about. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the story is already in my head and I pitch it full out to the company. Yeah. So I already know the whole story. And then the fun is really watching the artist come in and right. just like make a meal of it, right? But what I will do in that situation is once I see how and what the art artist really likes to draw, mm -hmm. like they just flex a lot, or like, oh, damn, they're really good at, you know, intimate scenes where people are talking, but they know how to do all the acting and the, 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 the shadows. And so all of a sudden, that story that we're definitely going to tell, but the way I tell it in this issue might be more of that instead mm -hmm. of what I thought of before. Or you have an artist that does really great, like, giant sequences of fighting where it's a person like in the raid, where it's just one dude fighting all these people through a house. I'm going to write some stuff that really lets that, that artist flex. Right. But there's another way, which is sort of, sort of the way I worked with, with Chris Cross, which was there was no real idea at the beginning. It was like he really wanted to draw it. So part of my conversation was, what do you want to draw, man? Yeah. Like, what, what do you feel like doing? He's like, well, I got some design notions. I'd love to play around with. And I was like, do they work for this kind of a story? He's like, oh yeah, multiple characters. And I really love those characters. I'm like, well, I was thinking about using Impala. He's like, cool, I got something for Impala. What do you think about this? So we're going back and forth about what will he look like? And I'm saying, oh, that's interesting. Cause that helps me with this. Right. That helps me figure out how his powers now work. And it gave me a plot point in the story, which I had not, I didn't need to know that yet. But yeah. basically in that story, I say, um, the kind of magic that Vixen has and the kind of magic that Impala has is totemic, which yeah. is it comes from an object that lends them power of some kind. And the beings that they're fighting are totems. Mm -hmm. So that makes them immune to their magic. Whereas Superman, who is not a totemic powerhouse, he would be not immune at all to exactly the same threat, which right. would make him very dangerous because it could take him over and use him. But it can't do that to Impala or 
Vixen, which gives them a reason to be, that's why they are the ones who have to fight. They're the ones to team up, blah, 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 right? right? And then I bring in the Olympian, who's also a totemic hero. She wears the golden fleece. So all of her powers come from the golden fleece. So again, the bad guys cannot take over her mind because he's already got a totem. You right. can't you can't push that totem out and have it be you, right? right? So all of that came from conversation with Chris, right? So the story had a loose shape, but the characters were not set. Um, points in the story didn't exist until I saw some of his drawings. So it was much more of a back and forth. And like on Green Lantern, the story is very much shaped already before the artists got brought in. But, and I hope they do, if they let me keep my same team, the better I get to know these guys, the more input I'm going to ask for from them. Right. What would you like to draw? How do you think this would look? Or I'll write in the description. It doesn't matter what they look like. You have a ball. Just don't let them look like humans. Right. Right. And then when I see what you do, I might make some changes to my dialogue to suit. Like if I thought they were big angel wing people, but you made them look like bugs, then I will change the dialogue to suit that. But that the story sense. doesn't change. Right. So that's that's the different ways. And then I work with my best friend on books together. And that whole thing just starts out with like, I'm sick of writing this kind of stuff because I'm working on this TV show all the time. And I know you've been drawing all this other stuff. Like, what are you sick of drawing? Right. He's like, oh, I'm really sick of drawing horses. I'm like, all right, no horses in this book. Um, uh, what do you really feel like drawing? You know what I've been feeling like drawing is like King Arthur and his knights. Cool. All right. Let me think of if I can come up with a story for that. Right. And then I pitch him the story. He's like, okay, cool. But could it be set like underwater? And I'm like, why? You know, he will be like, because I want to draw some swimming underwater nights. And I'm like, all right. You know, and you so, just work your way and, around it. Right. And then you still you start coming up with something that is sort of more um, a joint thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then at some point he's like, okay, I'm going to go off and draw a whole bunch of characters. And I go off and write. He doesn't know what I'm writing. I don't know what he's drawing. We come back sort of, okay, we can't use that character, but maybe this character can be the bad guy instead of the good guy. Yeah. Oh, what's that thing? Oh, that just doodled that. Yeah, well, that's going to be the big monster at the end. So yeah. make a big version of that, right? What about this plot point? I thought we were, we were going to do it underwater. It is underwater, but the castle's made out of coral, see? He's like, no, 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 what about this, right? Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, cool, make it out of seaweed. And like, what? okay, cool, 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 right? Doesn't change the story, but it makes him, it makes him want to flex. Yeah. I think a lot of what you want to do as a writer in comics is, Give the artist something that isn't boring to them because their job is long-term. They're sitting there with this piece of paper. You know, I, I, I've drawn, I've written things where they have a cast of thousands and I feel bad for the artist because they got to draw all those people. Yeah. Like those thousands, they've got to draw them. So I can just write, and there's a cast of thousands. There was that <laughs> four words, <laughs> but the artist has to draw thousands of people, right? So you want one, you want to keep that kind of stuff to a minimum, unless you can tell the artist can sink their teeth into that, where they're like, yeah, give me a giant Game of Thrones fight. I love that. All right, cool. That's <laughs> right. This is going to be a conversation, but they can have it in the middle of a Game of Thrones fight just as easily as a cafe. So, you know what I mean? So, that's what you feel like, man. Right. You know, so it's more like that. I try to be a team player unless it's, um, unless it's a creator-owned property. And even then, I like to let the artist flex. I don't want them to be bored because I'm not paying them what they deserve or right. can't afford to. So I try to write stuff that they were, oh, damn, I get to draw this. I never had to, nobody ever asked me to draw Inca Temple before. Cool. Right. On the inside, damn. You know, <laughs> like, so stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, for Green Lantern, it's a little bit, it's still very much me only because of the way it got pitched and the way it got built up. Right. Um, 
But even with that, and I always stress this, there's a lot of things I write in my scripts that I'm like, okay, they look like this. Good character, the character called Eurydian in mm -hmm. the Green Lantern. She's a magical princess type, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, so this is a magical princess, an evil magical Disney princess, but if she was made out of water. Right? Mm -hmm. If her whole body was made out of water and she has a crown of little stars floating around her head. That's right. it, right? Dexter Soy designed that character. I did not know what she looked like, did not care what she was gonna look like exactly. So, um, so yeah, so he came back with Eurydian the way he pictured her in his head. Yeah. And um, I was just as surprised as anybody how she was gonna look. Right. And now that's what she looks like. Uh, and there are many characters like that. Uh, every character I invent, unless I have a very specific character reason for how they need to look, yeah. Uh, that's all on the artist. So a lot of these people only exist the way the artist pictures them in their head. And right. I like that. I'm surprised when I see what they do, which is what I want, right? I want to feel like I'm reading a comic book. Uh, uh, so yeah, so that's how I try to work with the artists. I don't want to tax them too much, but when I do, I want it to matter. And Give them some, wanna, some leeway to be expressive. Yeah. 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 And, and if it's a lot of heavy lifting, like a cast of thousands, I want that sequence to really matter. It's not just because I feel like, oh, we're on the street in New York. Draw every face on the street. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be that guy. What I like about that idea is that you're you're not putting pressure on the artist, and it's a fluidity of of creativity that you guys are you know working together in. So there's no pressure. There's no stressors going on you right there. You hope for that. You hope for that. You hope yeah. for that. And then At I best. did this thing for Marvel. I did the thing for Marvel. The, uh, the I think it was a ten pager. With Jan Baldazura, they call it um, a Brazilian artist. Yeah, and she's amazing. So I wrote this very simple story about Prowlers getting at the Prowler and his girlfriend getting attacked by mm -hmm. symbiotes. And when I saw that art come back, I was like, "Girl, you're not drawing an X book. You don't have to go crazy <laughs> like this. This is insane. Like I would have been happy with like a third of this level." Right. Like, she drew that book like she was auditioning to draw the main X X Men number one. She wants like, a permanent series, like, and she showed it. She was like, "I want to. I don't care. But we this X book, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I was like, I mean, okay, you know, because but so you know, so you you want the artist to be happy because the happy artist draws amazingly. Well. Absolutely, right. Yeah, you tell no lies. So, right. So that's that's basically my philosophy. Right. Um, it's job. It's project specific. So let's talk last year when you came back, when you came on the show, okay. you gave the greatest news ever because you announced that you will be working on the spinoff to the oh. ever popular power. Yeah. Entitled book two ghost starring Ghosts. Method Man and Mary J. Blige. Yeah. And I, they just dropped uh, book three raising Canaan. Just yeah, dropped. exactly. So you are a part of that. No, are no. you are you're okay. But no, they were make they were making raising they were beginning raking, as you guys were, were going. We were in the middle of our production run. Wow. We were actually shooting our show while right. they were building raising cane. So I got to see all the prelim stuff, and now it's out. But let me tell you, I watched the series, especially the episode that you wrote in particular. Like uh, for those who don't know, to see it in the beginning with with Fiddy's like like awesome intro music and hear your name pops up and I'm looking at that like that's power. <laughs> but, wow, man. I tell you what, I took a, I took a snapshot of that. 
I couldn't believe it either. You, you should see, like, wait till you see the graphic that I designed for your for your promo. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I love that. I loved every moment of that job. Uh, Courtney Kemp is amazing. She's an awesome woman. She's but a great let me boss. tell you, let me tell you, I actually watched, like I said, I watched a series, especially the episode that you've written mm-hmm. entitled Good Versus Evil, which took me mm-hmm. back to my days of psychology and, and philosophy classes, like discussing good you know, good, evil, and altruism in this totality here. Yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. know, especially that first scene when they were all in class. And I'm like, I, honestly, when you when that scene with the first with the classroom and they were all talking about that that subject, I wanted that whole entire episode to be like that. But I see well, where it was going that, from that whole yeah, yeah. entire time. That's all Courtney, man. Like that was the when she first told me what she was planning to do with the show. Yeah, I was like, don't you know you're gonna make the show about Tariq, right? And right. she was like, yeah. And I was like, do you know how people feel about Tariq out there? <laughs> right? And she's like, nobody knows better than me except maybe Michael, who plays Tariq. And I was like, <laughs> and and your plan is to make a whole show about the man that people send death threats to? <laughs> because they think the actor is really the guy? And she's like, we're going to turn the corner, Jeff. And I was like, I mean, okay, pirate captain, I'm with you. <laughs> you know? And damn it, she did that. She did the thing. Like the whole first season had everybody not just not hating Tariq. They're on Team Tariq now. Yeah. Like everybody's with that kid. And I was like, okay, okay, Courtney. It was okay. like I watched that, and I looked at like The Walking Dead when like Adrian, um, mm-hmm. when he when she was there, and everybody hated her or King Joffrey mm-hmm. on uh, Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. But mm-hmm. they had to they had to get rid of him. But um on Walking Dead, I was like, there's no way of turning this person, this character back around. They just offed her. <laughs> but they did mm-hmm. what they what those other two other really popular shows could not do. And I, you know, yeah. commend you all for you know being able to do that. Uh, how all was, props to Courtney. All props mm, to Courtney. How was your experience uh on that show? And, and what did you think of the final cut of the entire season? Uh I I loved it. I just I'd been sort of working in animation used to before pre-pandemic. There was sort of a stigma working in animation, which I kept doing. And people were like, why do you keep doing that? And I was like, I like cartoons. That's why. Plain <laughs> and simple. Like, like, why do I write comics? Because I freaking like comics. And they're right. like, there's no money in it. I'm like, are you worried about my bills more than me? I, I'm good. I'm all right. Leave me alone. Right. But the downside is when we were doing a Black Panther's Quest, I couldn't tell anybody I was doing a Black Panther's Quest. So I was invisible. People thought I quit the business. Mm-hmm. Like, straight up. Are you still in? You know, I was like, yeah, I got this comic. I got this show coming out. You know, I'm show running it, whatever. What is it? Can't tell you. <laughs> like, really? I really can't tell you. Come on, man. You can say if you quit the business or not. You don't have to make up. <laughs> so, so, like, no, I promise you it's real. It's going to come out, whatever. So when I came back, some people were like, oh, I thought you quit. And God bless Courtney. She took a meeting with me when she didn't have to. Because mm-hmm. who the hell was I? The last thing that she would have looked at on my resume would have been he ran this Black Panther cartoon, right? Right. Which in the old days, oh, he's a, he's a cartoon dude. Like, why would I even talk to him for my very right. hard hitting, super sexy TV show? Like, <laughs> why, wh- why am I talking to this dude? Right. Well, at that time, power was still on, and there was no no one had said we're doing um, we're doing a spinoff. That was yeah. a huge secret, right? So me and Courtney sit in her office with her partners. And we just started geeking out about Avengers Endgame and how they did the Black Black Widow wrong. It should have been Hawkeye that went over the cliff. We did that for <laughs> a half hour. 
right? And her partners are like, you know, we're trying to have a meeting in here. This is not Comic-Con, right? <laughs> and like, I'm not kidding. And we just sort of bonded over it. And she says, so here's what's up, Jeff. Um, we're going to spin off. We're going to spin off Power. Power's going to end this year. And I was like, what? You know? And she's like, yeah, yeah, it's going to... I mean, how far can it go? Ghost has to die. Like, he can't survive the crap that he set up. He's got to actually die, right. right? But we want to keep going. The network wants to keep going. More than that, we're going to do three power spinoffs. And I was like, what? Right? <laughs> like, how are you going to do all this? She's like, we got a plan. But that's not important because you need to worry about those other ones. How would you like to be number two on Power Book 2 Ghost? And I was, that's when the whole thing about, I was like, well, what's it going to be if you're going to kill Ghost? How are you going to call the show Ghost? He's mm -hmm. like, well, Tariq's still alive. And I'm like, oh, dear God, you're going to make a show about <laughs> Right? And then that's that's what that whole conversation was. But I'll tell you what, I was the only new guy, almost 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 the only new guy. Yeah. Everybody else on that staff had in one way or another been working in an organization all the way through power. So they yeah. all knew that. I was like coming and writing Star Trek or something. Like they all knew all the lore, all the ins and outs, little things that the audience might not remember from the episode. They knew yeah. everything. Right. So coming into that, it was like so the big the big thing was, how are we going to do this? How are we going to fix this kid? And we started talking about what is Tariq's life really like? Why would he be the way he is? How did he end up? Not just the stuff you show, but what it'd be like to be Tariq. Mm -hmm. Like, it can't have been easy. Let's start there. Right. And that's when we found out, like, we, they were still making the final episode of Power and not come out yet. Yeah. So we were seeing it as the cuts were coming through. So it changed how we did some of the stuff we were doing. Right. Because we were seeing how the final form would look. It's one thing to know the story. It's another thing to go, oh, the audience isn't actually going to see some of the stuff that we right. know happened because it got cut out of the final cut. So now yeah. it didn't happen. So now we can do other stuff over here. Which characters are going to live? Who are we going to bring into this new show? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it was a great time. They taught me a lot of stuff about like modern pop culture, which I mostly don't pay attention to anymore. Yeah. Like, cause it irritates me. Yeah. I was um, about to say some of it is not even worth saying, like, making around. for real though. But like, <laughs> so we got to like, and I don't know some people, but like, I'm not a big sports head. So I don't know who the, right. That's a joke. I don't care about sports at all. So unless they have a TV <laughs> commercial or like it's in, like, unless you're in space jam, uh, I don't know your name, man. I, I, I'm glad you're rich. You're richer than me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything about your life. Don't care. Right. But they're all up in that. Obviously, they hit me to this thing called the shade room, which I'd never even heard of before, which has to be experienced to be believed. Uh, just go and do yourself a little search on the shade room. Right. Um, and all kinds of stuff about rap culture, which I used to be deep in, obviously, because I grew up with that with hip hop. But the moderns, the, the, you know, the 20 something, the teenager rappers, they're not talking about anything that I need to be hearing about. Hey, my um, whole playlist no, is not, 90s. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not against them, but rap right. changes, right? And different eras have different sounds. Different ideologies. And, and Yeah. Right. And they're talking about different stuff. So it wasn't like I was against it, but I just didn't know. Like the only one I could really rattle off would be like Nicki Minaj or Cardi B, you know. The Drake's. They were like, yeah. talk, right, Drake. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, and like, um, but they were talking about like the baby, Megan Thee Stallion, yeah. people I had not, like, I might have heard the name, but didn't know, didn't have a voice to put with it, whatever. So yeah. I had to do this deep, like, I literally took notes. They were talking, like, who's that? Like, you guys are talking about so and so, and they're beefing with so and so, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. Let me write this down real quick and go chat, right? And then I came back with, like, okay, now I can talk about this stuff intelligently. There are some I don't like. 
but I'm not going to be like the old guy going, well, you kids back in my day, I just don't like it. You find and that harder to tr- keep doing that every single time? Yeah, but Megan Thee Stallion, she's the truth, though. Yeah, she is. Okay. And, and she is a true fan of things, too. Well, she's the truth, though. Like, yeah. I um, uh, I got so like, wow, this chick can blow. God damn. Right? Um, but all of her songs are basically about one subject. Yeah. So I started looking into the background of like interviews with her. Who is this chick? What's her mm-hmm. What's her deal? Right. And there's a couple of these shows where they have you do some bars, like off just off the top. Right. Just, yeah. Here's go, just spit. Right. And I was like, why is she wasting her time with this nonsense on her albums? <laughs> this is better than one hundred. This thing she just made up off the top of her head is better than every hit she's ever had. You know, because it's not read, glorifying and selling records, right? Like the way the studios went. Hey, yo, like for real though, like both her and Cardi B got asked the same question because every time they put out something that's racy, there's always the contingent of somebody, male or female, going, you're just using sex to sell your work, right? You're bringing women down. You're bringing the black people down. You're bringing Puerto Rican people down with that. Mm -hmm. First of all, that's none of your damn business. If you don't like it, don't buy the album. Okay, that's first. But two, people asked him that in interviews and both of them have a similar response, which is one, I forget which one said this. One is obviously you didn't listen to my whole album. Right. If that's all you want to talk about, you didn't listen to my whole album, which mm-hmm. leads me to the second point. The reason you didn't listen to the whole album is because all you wanted to hear about was the sexy stuff. Whether you want to yell at me about it or not, the only thing you mm-hmm. came here for was the sexy stuff. Same with Megan Thee Stallion, who is by far massively better rapper than anyone knows. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's amazing, but she's hot. And that's what apparently sells her albums. Right. And she's like, yeah, I could do it the way you want me to do it and be broke and never get anywhere and not have my career do anything at all. Not even just not as good as, I mean, zero. Right. Or I can sell these millions of albums I'm selling and live a decent life. Yeah, so right. unless you got a solution that makes the audience gravitate to my political stuff, can you make them go by that? Because I'd be perfectly happy to sit here right. and lecture you about African-American history or whatever, Black history, or wet-ass, sorry about it. Right. Sorry about it's, it. It's it's right? actually, it's a shame because it, at the end of the day, the purists don't get paid. <laughs> right. You know? not gonna get, I'm, I'm trying to live, man. This is a job. I'm trying to make money. And right. one version gets me zero money, and one gets me millions and millions of dollars and it's your choice whether you listen to it or not. I'm right. not hurting anybody, mm-hmm. right? Adults understand what I'm talking about. Right. If you got a nine-year-old listening to this, let me rephrase that. You. Let me rephrase that. Let me help you rephrase it. Sophisticated adults. Well, understand. yes, that's true. There's there's <laughs> people who are physically adults who are not very sophisticated. <laughs> but I'm saying, if you got an underage person listening to this stuff, yeah. that's bad parenting. That's not me as an artist who's responsible for your child. Right. Absolutely. So, Right. So I was like, okay, I'm with you, sis. Not worried about it anymore. Um, Because I was a little concerned just as a person. I'm like, come on, ladies, really? Is it always every song? And now I know why. So I can't really get mad at it. Right. right. It's not like they're not putting that work out. Just that that's not what's getting promoted. So, okay. So anyway, so they hit me to all that nonsense. (laughs) And I was deep in that. And having a good time, and then the casting started, and they got meth, and they got Mary J. Blige, and I was just like, "Well, that's perfect for me. That's right, my age group." Like, I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah. Like, You're two icons of our era, yeah. of our like, era. I to, man, I had to keep making sure I didn't just pop off with Wu Tang forever every time Cliff came in the room. 
right? Yeah, and Mary, how about that? I mean, <laughs> it's Mary J. Freaking Blige. What do you, that's like in the old days, if it was Aretha Franklin who was now in your show. Yeah, hype like, playlist is like my life in, in Enter like, 36 Chambers. <laughs> exactly, right? So like- To get you through the just, day, to get you to get your day started, <laughs> to get your juice flowing. <laughs> people don't know. And, and all these other people are so like nonchalant. I'm a goofball. Right. Like <laughs> I have to actually consciously tell myself, all right, be cool, Jack. <laughs> Don't ask for any autographs. And if I sign it, you're an executive producer on this show. Now, let's just calm down. That's Cliff. That's not Method Man right now. That's Cliff. <laughs> right. Don't ask for any thing. Yeah. Can I say too that well written with his character and his kudos to him for being able to portray the character that he does. I mean, let me say brother, it tell, tell it just, it both of them, him and Mary and their characters and how far their career has gotten to the point that they can do that. And all this, all these stereotypes and, you know, misconceptions of meth and everything that he went through, he's playing an articulate black man. Let who, me tell you, if it, I, I, I say this on every interview where this comes up, anybody yeah. who ever gets a chance to work with that man, work with him. Mm-hmm. Any 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 show, he's an asset. Um, Mary too, but she wasn't a surprise. She's been doing a bunch of stuff. I've seen. Oh her yeah, act, her, her I, the, the umbrella. Uh, yeah, yeah, and also what you would call it the uh, the thing about the family. I forget the name of it now. Mud Mudbone Mud. Yes, mud. yes, yes, yeah. yes. Like she she she's got the chops. So. I wasn't worried about her, you know, and you do a little check and you never heard any, nobody ever said a bad word about Mary J. Blige. Mm. And if there was a bad word to say, trust me, I would have heard it. But, <laughs> um, uh, uh, but Cliff was a wild card to me because all I knew of him was, you know, he plays in these silly movies sometimes and these action running gun type things. Right. And when, uh, when, uh, when his name came across to play that character, um, you know, my eyebrow went up for a minute. Why wouldn't it? He had, he'd never done anything that would make you think, you know, and we started right. his audition and he, he came to play. Mm-hmm. And when he came to the set every day, and I say, again, I say this almost the same way every time, so I apologize, but he was like a ray of freaking sunlight. Wow. Like he was such a complete professional, um, but also a basically good presence in the, in the space. Yeah. Like you've heard every story. This is the thing I hate about the celebrity, celebrity um, magazines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They only tell you about the bad stuff. Yeah. Nobody's going to write an article about when that how human these people are. But not like you expect, like, we expect them to be monsters and they're a decent person. I'm saying there's a person who's a monster who comes to the set, a devil, and there's a person who's an angel who comes to the set. There's a there's someone who's just as bad as that person is. There are people who are that good right. when they come to the set. Cliff knew everybody's lines. Uh, he had, I'm not going to say what it was, but something bad happened to him right before work, like on his way to work, some stuff went down. And yeah. we were talking, we, me and him and a bunch of people, not just me and him, we're not like old friends or anything. Mm-hmm. But we were all talking about it. Like, damn, man, that's rough, whatever. As soon as that time, like, as soon as that set call happened, fuck, that was gone. Right. If you did not know from the first conversation, if you came in 10 minutes later, you would have never known that right. he had that happen to him that day. Right. He went through the whole day, like, he was great. Just great. Great. And so was she. She was right. great. They, they were just never, there was, it's hard to say it and not sound peasy, but I'm not that kind of a fan where I will lie. I would just right. be quiet and say, well, I don't want to talk. But, you know, it's, it's funny, though, Jeff, from my perspective, I see three people who established themselves for years in their own craft and they are all coming together to create such a awesome, a, you know, awesome project as uh, book two. yourself, which you've been through as an actor and, and, and as a writer and everything. 
with he's been through in the world of hip hop, where she's been through in the world of hip hop and all the stuff and all of yeah. you come together. That's a great recipe right there. And well, I, I got to give that to Courtney. Like, it, mm -hmm. I know you're telling me and I'm happy to hear it, but. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's definitely the chef. <laughs> she is a dynamo, man. That woman is running four shows, five, I think. Yeah. Simultaneously, she's the head writer on she was a head writer on Ghost. And I'm betting every script goes through her hands at some point on yeah. all of these shows. Absolutely. And no quality drop. The most successful TV series after Game of Thrones. And it's not a far second. It's a close second. Right. It's a very close second to Game of freaking Thrones. Okay. <laughs> and the number three is like in another country. It's in another right. zip code from both of them. Right. right. That's one woman's brain. One woman's awesome. organization. It's, and I'm not on her show anymore. I don't have to say any of this. Right. Like, I'm not trying to get a job from her. I'm not trying to go back on that team. I'm saying she's the truth. Like, be like Courtney. If you can be like anybody, be like Courtney. For real. Definitely. So, all right, let's flip the script real quick because there's a okay. series of shows that I would, you know, I wonder about since you're all, you're in the realm of DC right now. Since mm -hmm. you're currently working with DC, I got to ask, um, have you had any interest for, or, you know, writing for uh, Greg Berlanti for the Arrowverse series or even the HBO Max series? By I any mean, stretch? the truth is I have not met on the Green Lantern series because that one, it was already in progress. Right. And I, like at the same time that I'm doing my thing over here, they were already kind of already geared up writer wise on the right. other side. So even if my name would have come up, there was no chance for it to come up. I've met with their Berlani people a lot. We keep yeah. dancing around and I keep not getting the gig on it, but it's not like they don't like me. They right. keep calling me in to have chats right. um, and we talk about stuff and we always have a great time and it's just not the right place. It's not the right time or place. But you're still having chats right? and that's, that's nothing to uh, sneeze about. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. And they, you know, <laughs> like some things run their course, like, there's part, there's like, I would have loved to be on the flash early on, but yeah. I feel like the flash is winding down now and I don't know what I could really contribute. Thank right. Like, <laughs> um, I'm not saying that. it's bad. No, but saying, I feel, like, I feel like, like, I think they're getting to a point where we might see the beginning of the end. Yeah. Like, That's what I'm well, feeling. Every show, every show has a life. Right. So, and this um, season and was then, really awesome. Don't get it twisted. Cause they went back to right. the speedsters and it yeah, was awesome, but I still feel like they're, they're, writing it in an in a sense in a direction where we're starting to revisit some of the old yeah. of like we're gonna wrap one. this up soon we're gonna wrap full this circles up. coming yeah 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 something like that yeah. or at least some massive change that'll turn it into some other kind of show absolutely but point being is that at this point the flash that i would want to write like i have great ideas for that time has passed yeah so arrow's not on the air anymore so can't do anything yeah. with that um batwoman I'm not really a bat fan in general mm -hmm. so it doesn't matter whether it's batman or batwoman i'm right. just i'm like meh um uh, nothing against anybody i love everybody it's a great show right <laughs> black black lightning is done so there's no room over there unfortunately uh, you know <laughs> we could have a whole show about whatever we feel about i'm black just gonna lightning. put it like that <laughs> okay <laughs> but I mean, whether you feel about Black Lightning when it was on, that was the blackest show that had ever been on television. That was the blackity black. It was the black, I called black, it black I called show. it a comic books version of New York Undercover. No joke. That was the straight up blackest <laughs> show in the history of blackness on television. You ain't ever lied. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm including Roots. I'm including Roots. Black I mean, Black Lightning was blacker than Roots. I think it was so black that they couldn't have. You remember what Paul Mooney said on his Chappelle show when when you have too much fun. 
taken yeah. away. Yeah, they take it away. That's <laughs> like that. I was like, come on now. The amount like, of the the, yeah. the the talent that they brought in, the legendary yeah. talent that they brought in, the music selection. Sure. It was, I, like, thank goodness still Netflix to at least have it on their platform for now. Sure. And, then, and 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 it's there. That's the point. It got made and it's yeah. there, which means it and they, and they had closure. Done. And yeah. they had closure. So I'm uh, at least happy ended. about that. Yes. And it ended. It didn't just stop. It ended. I think yes. we would have been on a... all good. Yes. I like the Titans. I like the Doom Patrol. Yeah. Uh, I like that weird cartoon about Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. Oh, that is my but, favorite. <laughs> but I can't, but that one I couldn't write. I can only appreciate it. I don't have the sense of humor for that. So, but um, yeah, I mean, I like all the stuff they're doing. And I definitely know that they got some stuff coming that I would not be allowed to talk about. But right. There's going to be some great shows coming up that I might take a run at if I'm available at that oh, time. Oh, that's what I have you for. I can always ask you to come yeah, back on. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, come on and ask me, come back if I get on one of them. Um, You're dang right. <laughs> I, actually, I actually do know what the Green Lantern show is going to be, but I can't say I, anything I, Look, about guess it. what? Guess what, uh, watchers and listeners? You ain't telling, because I don't want to be spoiled either. I'm looking yeah, forward to seeing Diggle. Anyway. I'm looking forward to seeing Diggle to his thing, uh, so... I'm neither confirming nor denying the presence of John Diggle in anything. I'm not, I just, I'm just saying. But I do you don't know. Have to. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's going to be very different than what I've seen people seem to expect, and it's awesome. only in a good way. It's only. It's going to be different in an extremely good way. Like mm. I think they got a good. I think they got a very good angle, a very good take. Awesome. And um, I will be sitting down to watch that show. Right. Like. And I don't have to. Nobody's paying me to do it. I got plenty of things to do. So, but I'm definitely watching episode one of that Green Lantern. Show. You're lying. <laughs> Holy crap! That is that, um, to me. That's going to be like Black like Black Panther level <laughs> for me. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, yeah, yeah, like that. that like, and that's huge for it. me. Yeah. So I, love it. I, love I got that. a couple question, a couple more questions for you. But first, as always, thank you for coming on the show again. Um, first of all, I, I need to let you know that you're like. I think you're in the lead for most appearances on the show. Well, I, let's keep that lead. I want to see if I got it. I'm hold, I'm holding on. I want to be the most guest. I think yet. because I think mostly because I, I got some four. I got some people who made four appearances, but you're officially the first to make five. And I think a lot of it had Woo! to do with us going back to review Black Panther's Quest. So we came back on the show. So good job, right. on here. A mug with your name is coming your way. Thank you, brother. I'll take it. <laughs> but you know, I got a couple of questions I want to ask, and this one is a. Been a little bit of a deep one, and but I know you're the right person to ask. And yeah, talk go. About. So, of course, we talked about it before the show. We're talking about it now. We've had some experience, some sort of real experiences, um, and not so surprising things happened in 2020, as we you know talked in the, in the beginning of this. Um, it's now 2021, and the journey to make change in our country, and you know, it's in a course of being slow, you know slow paced at best. When it comes to Hollywood, um, as well as the comic book industry, let's even put that in. From your perspective, um, have you seen an increase in terms of representation and opportunity? That's a thorny question. Um, that is a very thorny I wish, question. I, I wish there was a simple answer. <laughs> yeah. um, the simple answer is right after the first blush of Black Lives Matter, there was a big flurry of activity to diversify, certainly in terms of adding Black people staffs and a big flurry of buying up of black property, black projects, yeah. black focused projects. But um, as I predicted, because um, people forget, I've been doing this a minute, there have been flurries like this before. Yeah. 
Um, and what happens is whatever caused the flurry dies down where people aren't as energetic about it. Yeah. And then you find out who really feels that way, which there may be some new people. Like you may get some, you may get some converts who come over to the right side of the fence, yeah. but nowhere near as many as you thought there were while the flurry was still happening. Because the flurry was all about, let's make sure everybody knows I'm not a racist or that we don't want to get hit with any, you know, you guys don't do this or you guys do that or whatever. Right. We don't want any of that. So now everybody's going to look as soon as they swivel over here, they're going to see we got all these black folks. Right. Right. We bought all these black shows. We got all these black employees. But they know that eventually the spotlight's going to swivel away and it's back to business as usual. Yeah. Or not, depending on the person. So I would say, yes, there are more people who have this in their minds now than there used to be. You're seeing more shows coming up with more diverse cast, not just with black people, but just regular old, like the world is brown, shades of brown, whether you're in China, or whether you're in Europe, most white people are also brown. Right. That's what people forget about. Italians, brown. Spaniards, brown. Greeks, brown. All white. Okay, so the world is in shades of brown. All you have to do is not work against that and your show becomes diverse. Yeah. So my feeling's always been that racism is an active thing. Diversity is a passive thing. It's not the opposite way where you have to be diverse. The world right. is diverse. So you're working hard to have it not look that way. Every time it doesn't look that way, you did that on purpose because it, you can just look out your window and see that it doesn't look like what you just said. Right. Right. So you're doing that on purpose. So I think we definitely have a net gain of people on the team of the angels now, but it's not nearly as big as people like to pretend. And you're still seeing sexism, all kinds of crazy sexist stuff. Absolutely. You're still seeing homo and transphobia, you know, across the board. Like these things, I'm not going to say these things take time. I don't need to take time. I'm, I'm, a, I'm outraged and offended that it's taken this long right. to get this little bit of far. And you, like, in your journey, especially, I mean, you've seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's just stupid. It's just stupid. And then everybody's like, well, you know, you got to understand. I'm like, I do understand. I get it. You don't want to. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's what we all need to understand. That all these things are the result of choice. People are making active choices every day. You could have a conversation about this dark-skinned black woman not being as attractive as this light-skinned black woman. I'm like, I'm sorry, yo, but you missed the bus on that one because homegirl is is a uh, uh, you're stupid. That's right. the one over there, right? Well, because she's uh, she's milk. She's what? She's dark chocolate, not milk chocolate. You can't handle it. That's on you, right? Right. And that's a very specific thing because black women have to deal with that. There's a there, the best actress may not get the part because she's not as light skinned as the as the as the actress who got the part. Nothing against whoever's getting these parts because it's not a one to one. But I'm right. saying the favor still goes towards the lighter hue. Right. It just does. People can say whatever they want about, it, but it's an active choice to cast a darker skinned black woman rather than a lighter skinned black woman. So right. as soon as that stops being a choice, where it's just like best actress won for that part. Yeah. then we can say we got over the hump right now. Not over, not even close. You know not what I, close. you know what I would really want, Jeff? I want to look at in the heat of the night reruns and not think that it's a new series that just came out this year. Oh my God. <laughs> People been talk, this is the downside of my existence. I've been talking about that show more this year since Green Lantern than I have talked about that show in 15 years. <laughs> Like, I'm not joking. So like, I, I, you know, it just pop, do you know they run they run it on syndication every single time on cable, know, and you can't stop watching. And then I, I just like even before I, I, you know, I knew that we were gonna be on. 
I was like, all right, I'll watch an episode. Oh, and there you are, by the way. There, and he does, and it looks like that's my son. Like my prettier, <laughs> nicer son. With the fade. Like, oh, good lord. And but, even more, back. But, but even more, when you were playing, when you were acting in that show, it was like the, the, the narratives, it's just too relevant. Yeah. yeah. And it's much, I don't I'm know. Like, I love this show to death. It's the, one of the deepest shows that came out at the time. And it's still, it, it, it pains me because I'm enjoying this, but I'm also, it's, it's bittersweet. That how yeah. well the actor, all you guys did on that show, but also how deep that story is in each episode. It's just insane. I mean, I, 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 I definitely had a good time on it. Uh, I tried to stay friends with most of the guys that were on it. Um, well, I mean, we had some deaths, so we can't be. <laughs> yeah. But, um, um, you know, it was a time and a place. I'm, I'm amazed that it's still on the air and people, I still get fan mail. You know, That's I think awesome. sometimes people are genuinely shocked, not just that, that I aged and got fat, but also like what I'm really like versus what Sweet is like. Right. Right. And I'm like, I'm an actor. Or I was an actor. There was an, a documentary about Jeff Thorne. That was Wilson Sweet. <laughs> <Right. laughs> but um, like, I'm sure I would get along great with Mr. Sweet, but him and me are not the same guy. Right. Um, uh, and shame and, on you. Uh, yeah, uh, I, we could all do. We could all be a little better. We could all be more like be more like sweet. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I've been being asked about that show more. I think I might be asked about this show more this year than I was when I was on the show. <laughs> they played it so much. I'm not joking. I mean, like, like people, I'm, and I'm on the East Coast I, too, by the way, as you know. So it's like, yo, people are like I watched that show with my grandmother. I'm like, everybody watched that show with their grandmother. Like. Like everybody's it's grandmother. This, it's like it's stuff. like five. It's like five days away from being uh, a, a subject in school. No joke. <laughs> no joke. Right. And, uh, like people don't even remember that Carolyn Connor was Archie Bunker. They're like, oh, that's the guy who played the chief. I'm like, oh dear God, he is literally rolling in his grave off of you. See. But you know what? I think I, I I would like to believe, and you know him more than I do. But I would mm -hmm. like to believe that that's the way he wanted to, it to be because I felt like it was his redemption. <laughs> well, he took over. He took over the show. So right. more than, I don't think more than Archie, but he mm -hmm. had more control over the product. Archie, he was just an actor. Right. In that show, he was the head writer. He was right. the executive producer. He was the star. Like, that's his baby. So, which is awesome like, because yeah. it put him yeah. in such a light with fans of him. And, and nobody ever, you know, canceled him or damned him for doing Archie Bunker. Right. Archie Bunker was what Archie Bunker was. Right. Um, it's still a, you know, even for me, I can still say that that was an iconic character. It was meant to be what it was meant to be. But when it came to, you know, and you understood the character, but you also well, understood that it was an actor of the character. The thing with Archie, and it's a very good trick to pull off if you're a good enough writer. Right. Everybody in the audience is in on the joke. Yeah. Everybody in the show is in on the joke. Everybody knew Carol wasn't that guy. Yeah. Right. Like he's playing it and you believe it, but you know, he's playing it and you believe it. Exactly. So a show like that, where there's a, like, I don't know if you can make a show like that in the modern times because the, with the internet, everybody's trying to live backstage all the time. Yep. And if the celebrity gossip people wanted to make it look like he was really Archie Bunker in his real life, they could. Yeah. Right. They catch him mad at a restaurant one day or he had a fight with a person who happened to be oh, black. Can you imagine. Right. We had that back and in the day. Would, right. But they would make a meal of that. Right. Yeah. When in reality, he's just having a fight with a guy who happens to be black. They would. The headline would be 
actor who plays character X is really a racist. He's even more <laughs> racist in real life. Look right. at this shot we have of him yelling at this innocent black man. Right. Never mind that that innocent black man had just rammed his car into his car on purpose and was yelling at him in the street and he was just yelling back. No, no, just look at his picture and look right. at his headline, right? So I don't know that that show could even get made now. I don't, I don't, I don't know how how anyone would. I don't think anyone would be brave enough to try. To be honest with you, because all the smoke you would get. If your um, name, not, if, if it's not comedy, your name's not Seth MacFarlane. Otherwise, it's probably yeah, and, not going to happen. And, and also, Seth, he's lucky because his show started before all this. Yeah. So it had a big enough fan base to go. Yeah, we don't care. I, I, I asked my, I asked this question because I'm a huge. I like to me Seth MacFarlane. Me personally, I can say this: Seth MacFarlane to me is the modern day Mel Brooks. To me, sure. in a sense, now, and I t- and I tell him, and I always tell myself, I'm like, how is he still allowed to get away with half the stuff that other people are getting? <laughs> but it's it's what it's what happens with a lot of shows. It's like there's not a lot of heat on the show, but it's still successful because it's got a big enough fan base that they all yeah. still watch it. So as long as he doesn't drop those numbers, yeah, right. And those people mm-hmm. aren't leaving at this point. It's like The Simpsons. I haven't watched The Simpsons in a decade. They're still making new Simpsons shows. Absolutely, how like, about it's that? still a hit show. Right. They got enough Simpsons. They could just have a Simpsons network and yeah. you wouldn't repeat an episode of the Simpsons for years if right. they just ran them. Right. OK, so that's a fan base that they can depend on. Right. And they don't need me to be watching it. Like I said, I don't have anything against the Simpsons. I just checked out and didn't go back. Right. Like, I'm not mad at them. I just stopped watching it for some reason. I everybody. Never don't worry. Everybody did. It's just it's it's just what it is. No, everybody did it. Everybody did it. That's the point. They're still making new episodes. You know, mm-hmm. those actors make a million dollars more oh, yeah. than an episode. But That's I catch myself watching actors, it like, I, I think like if, if if I'm not watching a Family Guy episode or anything else, then I would go to The Simpsons. <laughs> because right. I know that they're no, there and it's like. I don't know what the number is, but once you lock in that that magic number of these are the people who watch the show, the yeah. only thing to make that show go off the air is the, the people making the show don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, um, and like I said, the amount of money that just the actors make on that show, yeah. every actor on that show is making more than a million dollars an episode. Man. An episode. And how many do they do a year? And how many years have they been doing them? So if that's how much they're paying the workers. Mm-hmm. How much How much money does that And Disney make? wasted no time acquiring them too, by the way. Okay, we want that Simpsons Monet. Right. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah, you take your little million dollars. We're going to take that whole... <laughs> I'm not kidding, right? Like that's yeah. what it boils down to. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm amazed that Feet of the Night is still on the air in some fashion. But I don't think you could get away with making. I don't think you could get away with making all in the family now. People would just yeah. kill, kill you. Not, not, not at least for the next maybe few years at best. Well, I, I mean, we'll I'll have to see. I, I don't know if I'll live long enough to see that again. <laughs> I think I'm not. I'm only half joking. Like. Right. People get, are, their people are so in their in their stuff now yeah. that just joking about something could get somebody killed. Yeah, so, this this ideology is is this generation ideology is is ridiculous. Right. Like I, Nobody, I in some cases I do miss the nineties for a lot of reasons. Yeah, people could <laughs> and even with that, like or even if everyone's in not on that the that was perfect like, by any stretch, no. but but it can even be like, I don't want you preaching to me about your left-wing craziness. I see right. what you're doing with Archie Bunker. I know what you're right. talking about. I know what you're trying to do. I'm going to kill all y'all. Right. Like, and I mean it. I'm not just woofing. Like, I might right. actually show up and try to do it. Right. <laughs> you know, that didn't used to happen. So I don't know if anybody's, I don't know anyone's brave enough to try that. I don't know any actor who wants to put their neck out that way. 
Like, that's sad. It's really it is. So what is next for you? Can't tell you. Working on a project that can't tell you anything about. Which is a great um, thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm running I'm running Green Lantern for, until the middle of next year, and then my contract is up. Awesome. We'll see what they want to do. Um, I didn't know that I was going to get the full 12 issues. Well, I was very happy to let them, that they told me that. So we're going to run this arc out and a whole bunch of crazy stuff about to pop off, starting with this week or next week's issue. We, we put the pedal down, and it doesn't come back up after this week, after next week. Um, there's some people who are like, well, issues three or four were a little slow. And I'm like, okay, you might want to remember that rest stop I gave you because uh, <laughs> here we go. But um, that, I've got a couple of things in the pipe for Marvel, um, a couple more things in the pipe at DC to see like if they want to do them, but a couple of them are pretty high profile, so I can't say what they are. I really like writing comics, but it really, if it starts to compete with um, my day job too yeah. much, then I will, I'll have to limit what I do in the comic book space. Yeah. Um, I'm about to drop three of my own independent comics, um, which uh, probably on Comixology, yeah. uh, which would be digital for those who watch and don't know what that is. Which is, that's my everyday, all day. Yeah, so um, for those of the original to me, they're already, the, the issues are drawn. I just got to make the deal with Comixology, basically. Yeah. Um, got some really great artists, some really fun stories, brand new characters. Um, uh, I got an all ages book, sort of a street crime book, and a sort of a cosmic book. Um, very diverse cast, mm-hmm. um, and not, not, not. It's it's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be fun. Awesome. Um, so there's that, and I'm doing season two of my podcast, uh, oh. uh, the 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 scripted podcast, Dreamnasium. Uh, we're doing season two right now. I got all the scripts in my in my little inbox and making my little red line notes on them to make changes, and then they go back and make it. And, Nice. Welcome to the world. (laughs) Well, this is the second season. The last season uh, was last year. Mm. Uh, uh, You look it up, Dreamnasium. You'll enjoy it. It's all based on my short. It's all based on my short stories, my sci-fi and fantasy short stories. Uh, Full cast, fully executed audio drama. Uh, Nice. And uh, they really kicked it kicked it out of the park. Uh, I'm the executive producer, um, which makes me the studio basically, Mm -hmm. Um, and was popular enough that we were like all right let's do season two so we're doing season two fantastic yeah man jeff thank you ever so much as always let me tell you man it's it's just no it's my pleasure i mean just given the opportunity to meet people like you and and be inspired by people like yourself and especially people in our community and to have you on the show to finally get to see you after five years (laughs) (laughs) well it'll be easier now it'll It'll be much much easier now now. thank you technology Well, I'll tell you what, when you want to come back, like there's a bunch of stuff's about to pop off. You want to come back in a couple of months and discuss Green Lantern. I'm happy to do it. Absolutely. Oh, you got look, the more I'm reading, the more things come up. I'm going to email you and, and hopefully I won't have to I'll curse tell you, you what. out. Well, what is your email? I'll say, what have you done to the Green Lantern Corps? I'll tell you what, you get back to me after issue seven. Oh, okay. Challenge is something. Okay. I mean, a challenge it might be something. Are, are we still going to be friends like, after this? Are we still going to be cool yeah, after this? I'm just depends saying. On how you, it depends on how you feel about Green Lantern. There you go. you putting too much power in the Green Lantern <laughs> Well, I mean, right now we only got two active Green Lanterns, right? We got right. Hal and we got Joe. And Hal's not on the page right now. He's off doing something, whatever he's doing. Right. And, uh, and Joe's holding it down by herself. So I don't know what's going to be going on by issue seven. All I right. mean, I do, but. Well, I already got it on subscribe on uh on Comicsology, so no doubt I got you covered. I'm gonna check it out. Sweet. 
we'll revisit Great. that and everything else Great. that you got going on as well. Jeff, thank you again. But um, just from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I mean, since the thank day you. we met in San Diego Comic-Con and I just love the road that you've been going into and uh, keep inspiring myself and keep inspiring other people out there, especially in our community, because we got a lot of people out there who need to be inspired by, you know, your road and your journey. Well, go buy Green Lantern, y'all. It stars a black man and a black woman. Boom, boom. Doing cosmic, doing cosmic Star Wars type stuff. I, cannot love that. I don't know if you're going to find that anywhere else. You might as well go buy it for me. I don't make any money. I'm already paid. I'm not getting anything out of it, but go buy the book. You'll enjoy it. It's fun. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this very special episode of Talk Time Live exclusive. On behalf of myself and Jeff Thorne, all I got to say is learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. We are out of here. Take care.